are saying. So how it shake the air? How it shake those guards? So it is the Bible is real. I'm not preaching the Bible the one like story. It is real. So for me, oh, the Bible have life. Hello and welcome to the Together podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. My name's Dan and today I'm joined by a familiar voice, Chris. Hey, good to be here. And also a voice you may not have heard for a while. We're delighted to welcome back Emma. How are you doing, Emma? Hello, I'm really good, thank you. What have you been up to? <laughs> um, well, what have I been up to? I had a baby. <laughs> which was a big life event Um, and so yeah I've just been off for a long time now about 10 months it's been Um, yeah just you know raising a human being nice can you remember the last podcast you did I mean surely it's etched in your memory um no I can't uh... (laughs) no I feel like something funny happened though it must have because something funny always happens that must that must have been it (laughs) yeah well, Emma, it's great to have you back, and I'm sure people will see you more on on Instagram and YouTube and uh, everything that we do. We are Tear Fund, and so yeah, thank you for for joining us for this podcast episode. Very exciting um, for those of you who are worried um, about Cat. So Cat is still around. We'll be joining us in future episodes, but she's not around today. So um, instead, we we have Emma with us for the chat and hopefully more funny things Emma just like the last podcast that you were on. I'm all for the jokes. Great well in this episode we'll be hearing from Helen Bahano. She shared her story of being imprisoned for her faith for 32 months in Eritrea. Her story is really inspiring so make sure you stay tuned for that but before we hear from her it's time for Cat's Questions. Okay, well, it's not Kat's questions today. I think we should call it Emma's inquiries. <laughs> nice. What do we think of that? Nice. Okay, so as we can't go with one of her classic questions, um, my question today is, would you rather always be 10 minutes late or 20 minutes early? Oof. I think, you know, this is controversial, but I'm going to have to go 10 minutes late. Because you know when, like, you're going to meet a bunch of people and, like, the, only, the person that you do know isn't there yet. And so you're just stuck with a load of people you don't know. And it's just like, hey, how you doing? Like, bare small talk. <laughs> yeah, that's so awkward. A lot of small talk. Exactly. I can't deal with it. Yeah, I feel like 10 minutes late is the norm, right? Isn't that just, like, life? Th- that's what I was about to say. As someone who is often 10 minutes late to everything... <laughs> This is uh, slightly different. I think if it was, if the question was, would you rather be 20 minutes early or 20 minutes late? That's slightly different. I feel like you can, particularly with people you know, you can kind of laugh off 10 minutes of, of lateness. Um, Maybe we're the wrong people to ask. We're all just so slack. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that is it. But I know what you mean, Chris. There's nothing worse than like arriving somewhere really early. Like at, at a restaurant when you're meeting friends and... Uh, you're just sat there on on your Todd waiting. But then there's like the, like the reverse of that situation where like it's a friend's birthday and you arrive about 20 minutes late 
And then there's literally no seat with anyone you know. Nice. <laughs> I like how this is evolving. So we're now talking about context. If there's a benefit to arriving early. Yeah. Are you, so let's, let's apply this to the cinema context. What time, like how early before the film do you get there for cinema? Oh, I get there afterwards, like late, because there's always the adverts. So the adverts are usually like 20, 25 minutes. So I get there like 20 minutes after the film is meant to start. <laughs> that is proper cutting it close, not even like any time to slip up, bang on 20 minutes. No, I have missed a few opening <laughs> scenes, to be fair. <laughs> um, the whole time up, I you went... were like, where's the old lady? <laughs> <laughs> I went to, uh, to the cinema a little while ago with a friend and we went for some food first. And we were complete contrasting personalities where he wanted to get there like um, before the showtime even started and watch all the adverts. And for him, that was all part of the cinema experience. Oh, no. I was like, nah, I'm I'm just going to rock up. You know, uh, start time is eight o'clock. We can rock up 25 past eight and enjoy it (laughs) so we're eating this food and you can just see him sweating just like (laughs) worried about not making thinking about all the adverts that he's missing (laughs) yeah see i think i'm like halfway between both because i don't mind trailers but i'm not crazy about them either but for me it's the panic like i hate the panic of just like being late and you rush in and then like the room's dark already you're coming and you're like oh sorry excuse me yeah Do you know that you can take your own food into the cinema now, though? Yeah, it's great. I mean, if the cinema's open, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, because I I feel like before lockdown, I went to the cinema and I took Wagamama's and it was the best thing ever. You did what? Oh, <laughs> Wagamama. But it's obviously like, it, I don't know how happy other people were because they could just smell my like chicken katsu curry. And then everyone's just there with their popcorn, like normal cinema yeah, goers. I thought you were going to say like, I bought in some chocolates yeah. and sweets. <laughs> Are you like proper setup? Shop? Yeah, no, like a full full meal, but it's a great experience. <laughs> I've, I've got this picture of like Emma, you sitting in the cinema, and then someone wheeling in a trolley with one of those metal dishes that's like over the top of a plate, and just like <laughs> wheeling it up to you, and then just revealing a lobster or something extravagant that you just tuck into. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's me. Great. Well, guys, um, we'd love to know your thoughts. Um, anyone who's listening would you rather be 20 minutes early and risk the awkwardness or 10 minutes late and sit in the seat that nobody wants to sit in um are you a, an early bird or do you leave things to the last minute we'd love to know um but that's it for uh, this episode of emma's inquiries thank you emma see you next time maybe see you next time maybe not <laughs> okay so next up we have what in the world So this is What in the World, where we discuss some of the big talking points from recent news stories. Emma, what are we talking about today? Okay, many of us will have heard about the crisis in Yemen, which has continued to grow worse. Um, And a big cause of the crisis has been years of attacks by Saudi Arabia on Yemen, which has been killing thousands of innocent civilians. But despite this, the UK government has resumed selling £5 billion worth of bombs and fighter planes to Saudi Arabia. Guys, what do you think about this situation? Yeah, obviously it's a huge issue. And like just to clarify, even like it's not it's not like the government our government are directly selling 
to them, but it is like they are issuing the license for that to be sold, which is a huge, huge issue, obviously. Um, but I think what's been encouraging for me to see is just the amount of people who are part of the We Are Tier Fund community who have been emailing and sending letters to their MPs and saying, you know what, actually, this is an issue that I care about. And as my MP or my MEP, I want you to represent my voice in this and to say to the government, no, this is something that I'm not going to stand for. Yeah, I think that's right. And we, we've we seen other similar instances of, of kind of trying to respond to injustice recently and how we do that. And we've seen a lot of success in educating ourselves in the situation and then taking whatever action is available to us or the, the actions that are in front of us, depending on our own situations. And so, you know, applying that to this context, read up about it. I mean, people are describing it as the worst humanitarian crisis, but also um, the the one that is, is getting the least news time and and, um, uh, and people don't know enough about. And so the, the one tool that we can use is is the information that's available to us. So if, if you haven't heard much about it, head to We Are Tear Fund on Instagram. We've shared some posts recently just giving a bit of background and also a bit of an insight into the work that Tear Fund does uh, there in Yemen. But also, as Chris said, the, the the best thing we can do is be writing to our MPs and being vocal and, and active in that because it's the government's decision to sell um, all of these weapons to Saudi Arabia. And so we need our MPs to hear that uh, we're not going to stand for that and we want to make a difference. And when they hear that and get that message, then they will take it back to Parliament and take it to the government. And so um, it's really important that we speak up and we take the voices of, of people in Yemen and we amplify them by by doing what we can here, here in this country. Great. So now it's time to hear Chris's interview with Helen. As mentioned earlier, she talks about her time in prison in very inhumane conditions. So here's a trigger warning before we hear from her. But please do listen in. Sometimes these stories can be difficult, but it's so important when we're hearing from people who've literally put their lives on the line for their faith. It's such an inspiring story. And so here's Chris and his conversation with Helen. My name is Helen Brana. I came from Eritrea. I have been in prison for 32 months because of my faith. I'm a gospel singer. So the reason I'm coming here just to engage people with persecution because those people, I'm free now, but they are all our pastors and many Eritreans still they are in prison. Mm-hmm. They are not criminals just because of their uh, phase. So I'm voice for those voiceless. The only thing I can do. What year did you get taken to prison? The government would recognize it uh, only for religious in 2002, which is not true, but other activities they shut down. So I start publish uh, one CD in 2003, so they are not happy. Mm. So they arrest me kind of um, in and out. So finally, they found me when I'm teaching young people, because mm. at that time the church was shut down. So they took me to 6th Division, after that to military prison, finally to my Mysorewa. Uh, prison for 32 months in metal shipping container. Wow. What, what was that experience like? 
what was happening day to day? Yeah, the prison uh, condition is very harsh and very poor because first when they put us there, I didn't realize they, they can't do that because I heard when I was young, there was animals, they stay only one night in the mm. metal shipping container, they die. Mm. So it's not easy, it's new experience. So when they push us in, it had been a lot of uh, lice jumping all over. Wow. So we start crunch our body. Yeah. Also, it's e- extreme cold in the night. We are asking for toilet, no toilet. He give us one uh, uh, bucket. So the whole uh, container can use that. Also, uh, no light. Mm. Also, it's very uh, suffocated. Mm. So the condition is very uh, hard. Even when you ask food, they give you food, but it's very uh, bad. Just you get diarrhea. Mm. So it is hard to use this uh, packet inside the container with diarrhea. It's stinky for everybody. So it is uh, very hard even to put one person for 24 hours in metal shipping container. But as I uh, tell to everybody, uh, it's kind of uh, it's test mm-hmm. in the life. So it had been very hard, but at the same time, Christianity, it cost you price. Mm-hmm. So in that dark place, we have been singing. It cost us a lot, also torture, because we sing. Yeah. Also, I'm preaching every day. They torture me outside, inside. It's kind of uh, hell on the earth. So uh, once they put me with a mental uh, ill person because they asked me to deny, so I say no. Mm-hmm. So I have been with this woman for 10 months. Wow. So sometimes she pull my hair, sometimes she kick my foot. So, but always I meditate the word of God. I'm singing and praying. We have been praying a lot, three times in the day, three times in the night. I experience um, uh, what you call um, by myself, like uh, yeah, solitary confinement. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I experience uh, m- many things, but uh, because of my faith, I survive. Wow. You you said that you were meditating on the Word of God. Did you have Bibles with you, or was it just what you remembered? It's not allowed to have Bible, but it's kind of uh, wrong to think like that. They say it's not allowed Bible. But when I arrive in that container, the next day I receive Bible. But the person, the one who gave me that Bible, he's not anymore they torture him and he died, he passed away mm-hmm. because of torture. So this Bible, I hold it uh, for 32 months. So, yeah, you can't um, cover the uh, gospel. So I read this uh, book around 15 times inside the container. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm preaching four or five letters per day just sending out of the container because yeah. they are 
23 metal containers yeah. in that area. That's crazy. So, yeah, we do it by different way, even though it's not allowed. So, yeah, Bible was with me. I think that's, that's incredible. And it's really interesting hearing how you and other people were still saying, no, I'm going to preach the gospel, I'm going to worship, I'm going to sing. Where did you find the strength to do that? Yeah, uh, I started church when I was eight years old because of my grandmother. So when we moved to another area, I started to attend the church. So it had been um, a kind of revival, a lot of things. So I'm start asking, keeping asking. Mm. So most of the time, I have been reading my Bible in my house. So finally, I found out how can I preach? How our forefathers preaching the gospel? So finally, not too afraid to die. Mm. So I start quote from Roman book. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. So I go to the street in cathedral or hospital, everywhere. That's why I have been in and out, in and out in prison. Mm. So it's come from young age. It's kind of reading inside the house. Yeah. It's amazing because I think for us in the UK and probably most of the Western world, uh, we read stories about the disciples going into prison in Acts. Uh, we read about Paul going into prison. And for us, it's almost just a story. Mm-hmm. But this is like, it's a reality for you. So did you, when you were reading stories about those disciples going to prison, did you see yourself like those disciples? Yeah, if you ask me from Genesis until Revelation, it's, it's for us. Mm. So I caught these um, words and just practiced them a lot. Mm. So for me, uh, it's kind of not a story. Mm. It's real. Yeah. So if you ask me about Daniel book, yeah, but the Daniel book, it's real. Yeah. What about Sidrach, Mesach, Abednego? So I saw that in my eye, how he rescued me when I say, I'm not stopping thinking. I'm not back down mm. what you are saying. So how it shake the area, how to shake those mm. guards. So it is, the Bible is real. I'm not preaching the Bible, the one like story. Mm. It is real. Mm. So for me, oh, the Bible have life. So sometimes when people uh, frustrated or kind of, sometimes I feel kind of shame. Why? How come it's a little bit hard for me to understand? Yeah. So if the Bible says you don't need to worry, <laughs> why you are worried? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a good point. So for me, it's kind of yeah, uh, very hard sometimes to understand people. It's uh, yeah, the Bible is real, mm. real. If you ask me about Elijah, yeah, Elijah three and a half years. The, the bird, <laughs> what do you call the bird? Ribbon, yeah, the ribbon feed him. So when I was in prison, the, those birds, they are flying by other way. <laughs> so it's kind of, 
yeah, if you practice it, you can see it. So for me, the, the bird have been in that area by different way. Mm. Sometimes I receive books, sometimes. So the birds are, have been in my area. So it's working. If somebody starts to practice mm. his face, so it works. That's amazing. I, I, I read that somewhere you once said that to, to sing is like going to war. How important is worship for you? Obviously, your journey started in worship. How important should worship be for Christians? Yeah, um, according to the Bible, most of the time I use that even when I was in prison. Paul and Silas, they have been singing in prison. So when they start singing a mean to God, so the prison door starts shaking. Mm -hmm. So it's real. So you can't cry all the time what the problem you have. You you need to start to sing because he sacrificed himself on the cross. Mm. Doesn't matter if your pocket is full or not, just to worship God. Also, fortress Jericho to fall down because of the praise. Yeah. Also in Philippi 4.4 4 it says, Rejoice to the Lord, always rejoice. Because if I am not rejoicing him, even the stones, the nature, all the creation can worship him. Mm. So that's better for me instead of jealous to see that, yeah. to worship him. Because when you start worshiping, the problem's gone. Mm. They, are, they have no any authority in your life. So I experienced that. Even now I have problem in Denmark but I go in the mission house just I'm loud and singing singing so Mm. when I finish what are the problems it's kind of gone yeah in the spiritual realm so I think that is the way to cry is not the solution yeah again it's really interesting because you know for some people, we read about Paul and Silas and we think, oh, that's, that's nice. But we don't, we don't see it as a reality mm. in our everyday lives. And we don't see worship as this, huge, as this big, mm. powerful weapon. Uh, obviously, for you, it helped you to get through your experience uh, being imprisoned. But how did that come to an end? How did you get free? Yeah, uh, I have been tortured more than anybody in that area. So finally, after two years, I start uh, teaching guards, mm-hmm. normally prisoners. Mm. So in my life, it must have challenge or growth. You can't stay in grade three all your life. Yeah. So always I, I need to see new. So from the prisoners, continue to guards. So when they found the letter, so they took me outside from the container. Mm-hmm. So all these containers can see, so they beat me a lot in my head mm-hmm. because they say, where is the Bible? Yeah. How do you remember? You have been for two years here because they put you in that metal container to forget everything. Yeah. So when I say it's in my mind, they beat me a lot in my head. So it was very heavy, so they sent me back to container also, early in the morning, they uh, call me and they send me far from the metal container. So they torture me badly. Mm. 
So from that moment, it's not easy to walk. My body was like red and blue. It's shaked by itself. Mm. So even with this all pain, they sent me back for eight months with the pain. Mm. So finally, also one guard, he tortured us inside the container. So no walking. I have been totally damaged. Yeah. So they say, we, they don't want you to die inside the prison. They send me to finally to the hospital. Okay. So the hospital says it's too late. We send her to die in her family house. So they send me home. After that, um, people help me in immigration to yeah. move to Sudan. Okay. They are nice people. So I moved to Sudan for treatment. For ten months. Wow. Well, God is good because you look like you're doing well now, and so it, you know it's great to just see even what was meant to be the end was mm-hmm. only the beginning of more for you. Um, since you've come out, what is the situation in Eritrea like now for Christians? It's very worst. When I was in prison, it's kind of torture, this kind of thing. But uh, when I Left, they start even raping women. It's worst and worst. Mm. So, what can we do, you know, as people living in the UK? How can we really get behind and stand with people who are being persecuted? Yeah, the biggest thing is to pray for them. Also, financially support. That's why I'm traveling all over. We collect money and helping their children mm-hmm. because all our, our pastors are in prison mm-hmm. uh, also for the wives and um, there are many uh, families they lose their fathers so yeah. financially uh, also in some countries you can also visit and uh, send postcards it's three different things you can do right thank you so much right. just one of the last things i guess i saw that you were quite vocal about not wanting America to normalize the relation with Eritrea when the human rights conditions were not were not good still. Uh, how important is it for people all around the world to work to make sure that human rights is being kept kept up all around the world? Yeah, um, since I released from prison, I have been all over. Mm. All over. Even I didn't think until now the the problem can continue. Mm. So it's very hurting to see those lot of years there are still our pastors in prison, even the patriarch orthodox old man. So I have been crying all over. So, yeah, it's, it's not easy. I don't know why. Uh, we haven't get a solution until now. Well, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come and speak with us. And, you know, we stand with you and I'll be praying for sure. It's like a very inspiring story and I hope when other people hear it, they'll be inspired to pray as well. Amen. Thank you. It was so amazing to hear Helen's story. So, guys, what did we take away from it? 
Yeah, I thought it was just so incredible to hear how um, she found like worshiping and singing while she was in prison to just really help her through. And I think it's just so important for us um, to keep focused on God through worship and prayer and help us to not be overcome by the problems that surround us. Yeah, definitely. I, I love the bit that she was, she was talking about the Bible being written for people going through persecution. And so, Chris, you'd mentioned about um, disciples in Acts and Paul being in prison for their um, for their faith. But Helen was also talking about how the whole of Scripture paints that picture um, and how much of an encouragement it is to her, but also how much of an encouragement it is to us where we're not going through the same um, extremes of persecution at all but to to read the inspiring stories of, of Paul and the faith that he had when he was in prison and uh, and others is a real encouragement to us yeah 100% and I think for me just hearing how she said that she was able to find asylum in Sudan afterwards it just is like a powerful reminder of how we need to think and love as a global community and like this whole idea of like borders up and stuff is actually really dangerous like if it wasn't for the fact that she could find asylum she might not have been here today and so I think it's just like a good reminder that yeah the refugee crisis is not over it continues to be a thing and actually you know people are escaping conflict they're escaping persecution so if we can actually be like neighbours, genuine neighbours, and say, you know what, you're safe here, then I don't see why that is a bad thing at all. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again on the 17th of August with another episode. So if you liked what you hear today, make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at We Are Tear Fund. <laughs>